Thursday, July 24th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today for Motley Fool Funds, Tim Hansen. Happy Thursday, my friend. Hey, thank you. You're getting ready to fly off somewhere. Yeah, tomorrow night, flying to Munich. Uh, a couple weeks, do some do some work. Embedded research. Embedded research in Germany, and um, I will go. To, I will be in Georgia, which will be exciting, given all the excitement <laughs> in that part of the world. Is exciting the right word? Um, this is the word I'm going to use, Chris. Okay. <laughs> and uh, also, I have some stuff to do in northern Italy, so it should be should be fascinating. All right, let's get to the earnings. We've got Under Armour. Uh, we've got the drama of Herbalife, but let's start with earnings from Facebook. Uh, Facebook's second quarter profit more than doubled. Overall revenue was up 61%. Uh, shares up uh, around 5% this morning. Uh, th- this this just, I don't know. I, you keep having me on for Facebook earnings, <laughs> and I keep saying the same thing, which is, I mean, just every, they're, just, they're doing, doing a really impressive job. They really are. It's really impressive what they've done in terms of transitioning to mobile, monetizing it. Um, you know, on the call, Sheryl Sandberg shared a, a number of anecdotes about successful advertising campaigns that they that they'd done, and and you know, from both small businesses to to large multinationals, and and um, it seems like it seems like they're delighting any number of constituencies. So, you know, cu- again, cu- kudos to them, and, and and congratulations to their shareholders at this point so far. I think for investors, one of the things that's probably easy to miss about Facebook, maybe any company, is your own experience with that business and sort of putting that experience onto sort of overweighting that experience to your investment thesis. So for anyone who's like, well, I don't really spend a lot of time on Facebook or I don't like it as much as I used to. Yes, that's kind of their business, but their business is really advertisers. And mm-hmm. um, I was struck by a quote I saw last week in the Wall Street Journal. This was about Yahoo's earnings. And it was an unnamed advertising executive from Madison Avenue who spoke in terms of the phrase uh, this executive used was, must buy, when it comes to digital advertising. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm, I don't know if it was a he or she, but this person said, Yahoo is, not, is no longer in the must buy category for digital advertising, whereas Facebook mm-hmm. is now firmly planted in the must buy. You know, you know, it's it, it's a funny thing about advertising and, and Facebook. You know, I think people who are very into cutting edge tech or you know leading edge edgy services. I think Facebook. You know, there's been a lot of talk about how teens don't like using Facebook anymore and how it's not cool and and, and all sorts of things. And you know what? I don't I don't think Facebook is a cool platform anymore. But you know, whenever you're on the leading edge, when you're a, and this is particularly true of people who analyze stocks, it's like. You, if you're looking at the leading edge of something, you miss sort of you can miss mass appeal and go, you know, um, and it, it seems like Facebook is just really accumulating casual users at a high rate. Particularly, it looks like people overseas are joining up at very rapid rates. And so, no, it's not it's not necessarily a cool or or edgy platform. You know, the some of their recent tech developments, like what is it called, Poke or Prod, whatever their messaging thing. You know, I think it was Poke. Poke Prod would have been a better name, maybe. <laughs> the um, throat clear. <laughs> uh, you know they haven't done well. I mean, I, you know, people love working at Facebook. Facebook is obviously doing interesting things, but you know, to the extent they're innovating, it seems like they're innovating on the monetization side, which has been unbelievably good for shareholders, even if it's attracted some some people who who, who don't think the platform is as 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 cool as it used to be. But um, 
you know, online advertising increasingly looking like a duopoly between Facebook and, and Google. And, you know, there's still a lot of room to go in terms of ad dollars moving online and, and going away from, from offline, you know, TV or, or newspapers. So, you know, a, a pretty exciting long-term story, Interesting to, interested to see where they take it. It's pretty amazing to look at the market cap. And when you, when, you yeah, know, one of the things I saw on Twitter this morning is just people tweeting about these are the companies that Facebook is now bigger than, yeah, yeah, and yeah. things like you, know, you think about Oracle and all mm-hmm. of the success Oracle has had as a you know it's closing in on being a two hundred billion dollar company, which I think is is uh, yeah. When did yeah. he founded that when like two thousand ten, ten years three? ago, <laughs> ten eleven years ago. That's for all the for all the things that I don't really like about Mark Zuckerberg. That's very impressive. It's <laughs> very impressive. <laughs> um, when you look at the stock and hitting an all time high today, is it is it pricey? Is it yeah, I think you know. I think it is. I think it is pricey. I think initiating a new position would be hard to justify from a classic valuation standpoint. Having said that, you know their business momentum is is tremendous at this point. They've clearly gotten something right. And like I said, in terms of ad dollars moving online, there's a long runway for that as well. So I'm I'm probably if you told me you were buying Facebook today, I'd probably I wouldn't I wouldn't make a derogative comment. Um, would I, but I'm probably not doing it myself either. That's probably the most wishy-washy position I can take, <laughs> and so and I recognize that. Um, but I, you know, like I said, it's hard to be negative about companies that have really done well by their business, even when the stock gets a little bit pricey. Um, so that's just a decision other people other people can make. The second quarter results for Under Armour came in better than expected. Uh, shares up around 15 percent. Under Armour, one of only a handful of stocks. Uh, in uh, when you're looking at sort of the non microcap universe that has doubled in the last 12 months, uh, what is Under Armour doing right that, or maybe not right versus Nike's wrong, but they are clearly doing something better than Nike over well, over uh, the last six to 12 months. They're both and they're both doing something better than Adidas. Adidas is the one really taking it on the chin right now. Um, Nike's done has taken share from Adidas. Under Armour is clearly growing very, very quickly. Although that hasn't translated into Nike stock really moving over the. No, last. but Nike stock has been expensive. I mean, Nike stock is historically a pricey. I mean, it's one of the greatest brands in the world. Um, obviously, Lululemon has gotten beat up pretty badly as well. So maybe they grab some share there. Um, you know, what I think what's interesting about Under Armour results, and 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 I'll tie it together with the Chipotle results that I think they were released earlier this week, which were also very impressive, is. You know, you had a number of uh, retail and restaurant companies who reported poor results and said, you know, it, it was the weather. Um, you had the CEO of the Container Store say, everybody is in a retail funk. Are, you know, apparently not Under Armour. Right. You know, <laughs> a, apparently not Chipotle. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I think, you know, the good companies create excess value over time. Great companies create excess value over time. And Under Armour, with the brand it's building and the loyalty it has among its consumers, is, is a great company. And that's why that stock can do well in an environment where, where peers are not. Um, similarly, Chipotle, seemingly unaffected <laughs> by the things that were affecting everyone. Um, you know, and you look at something like Potbelly or some of these other hyped up restaurant companies, like, oh, it's, it's, you know, it was the weather. That was the problem. But, you know, the weather isn't really a problem for, for companies that have that are well-run and have very loyal customers. And I think Under Armour is demonstrating that today. Chipotle demonstrated it earlier this week. 
And it's just something to remember whenever you hear excuses made on a conference call about why, about the reason we underperformed was because of something we we couldn't control. I mean, that that to me is always sort of weak sauce, and easily disproved when you see results like this come out. Well, and particularly when excuses like that are used relative to large misses, as opposed to, well, this quarter had one less weekend than the quarter a year ago, and that's that, and we say that accounts for a quarter of a percent of of the miss here. That's what, like that's one of those things where I think, okay, well, that's like if you're going to ascribe a a, a little a yeah. very like a, Easter was in this quarter right, instead of this, a yeah. sliver mm-hmm. of a miss or a a sliver of a margin. On something that truly is out of your control, okay, I will, I will grant you that. But when it's the whole, you know, this is why, this is why comps were down ten percent. Right, right, right. Like, really, ten yeah, percent. Yeah. Um, let me stick with Chipotle for a second, and this is a question I've asked other people. What did you think when you saw the same store sale number for Chipotle being up seventeen percent? Because I was stunned by that number. You know, it, it's a stunning number, but I, I will say I've been, I've been all over, <laughs> I've been all over the United States this month for some reason, and. You know, Chipotle, my kids love Chipotle, so we invariably show up at a Chipotle. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a story. We were at the Mall of America in Minneapolis, which has you know, the entire... <laughs> was that your idea? Um, we, were to, we, were at the, we, went to, we went to the big Lego store. It was, it oh, okay. It wasn't bad. All right. And uh, it, was time, it was time to get lunch. And so the food court, I think like, it's like the whole fourth level is food, right? Just massive amounts of places that you can eat. There was not a line. At any restaurant, except for Chipotle, whose line wrapped around half the floor. Wow! And it's just like, I mean, and there were there were other burrito places on you know in the mall. There were clearly other food options, but it was I mean it was all the security guards, all the shoppers, you know, employees of other restaurants. I mean, employees of other restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and it's it's funny to watch. And I was on the line with my mom. And we were waiting to go buy food for the kids, and 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 you know I said, don't worry, it goes. F-. She'd never been to a Chipotle before, so I was explaining how you go through and you order, and I was saying you know it goes really fast because the way they built their their model, and, the, and to their credit, line went very quickly. Uh, the food was got rave reviews from my mom, who had never been there before, as well as my kids, you know, eat it all up. You know, I, I went to I was at a Chipotle in Ohio, packed, New Jersey, packed. I mean, every Chipotle I go into, any time between the hours of eleven and two. It is seemingly always packed, and that's how you get to seventeen percent. And that, I mean, that's just incredible when when you think about it. I've never gone into a Chipotle during lunch and and have it just been you know dirty and empty, or you know as you yeah. can encounter rogue outlets of other concepts. So, you know, I don't necessarily know what the special sauce is that got them there. I mean, it may just be you know the food is actually really good. That may be it. I mean, how many how many fast serve restaurants can you actually say that about? Well, there's that, and their their relentless focus on the operations within a restaurant, and well, and, that's how and, you get the profitability, and yeah, the, and the throughput. But and, how do you get the you know, and the throughput? Obviously, you can you can serve more people during the lunch hour, but but those people need to show up for some reason. You know, right. you can't serve them unless they show up, and their their relentless focus on operations gets them their extremely high profitability, which is outstanding in their peer group. But how do you get that many people coming in the door every day? It's just you know. Maybe it is. It's it's the basics. I don't know, but it's an impressive story. I just love the image of employees of other restaurants <laughs> at the Mall of America saying, uh, "It's my lunch break. I'm gonna I'm gonna head over there." Yeah. <laughs> um. One of the dramas going on this week 
involving uh, Herbalife. And let me just uh, set the stage here because on on Monday, the Wall Street Journal had a story and uh, Herbalife, if you've not seen this battle going on between Bill Ackman, hedge fund manager who has been just banging the drum that this is a pyramid scheme, this is this is a house of cards waiting to fall, and uh, he announced in December, I think to say in late 2012, he announced a one billion dollar bet against Herbalife, basically a short bet. And so here's the headline from Monday's Wall Street Journal: Ackman's Herbalife attacks will Tuesdays be the final death blow, finally. And this is in advance of a presentation that Ackman was doing on Tuesday, um, which he called, quote, the most important presentation of my life. Uh, and the <laughs> cut to shares of Herbalife on Tuesday going up somewhere in the neighborhood of 23%. What and that was a hard day to be Bill Ackman. It was a hard day. Now, Bill Ackman. Both, both from a, I mean, he's, he's got plenty of money, but. You know, that hurts the wallet, but also reputationally. And I, that seems like a man who truly values his sort of public face. That that didn't look good. This what? is a lesson for the kids, which is <laughs> given the options to overpromise and underdeliver or underpromise and overdeliver, you always should do the latter. Right? Hey, are you going to make dinner tonight? Yeah, I'll try to do something. And then whip up a gourmet meal. Don't say, this is going to be <laughs> the most important dinner I've ever made in my life. And it will be the greatest meal you've ever eaten. And then in your roll life. out with like macaroni and cheese with hot dogs cut up in it. You can't do that. That's just bad. That's poor form. That's bad planning. What do you suppose is going on with Bill Ackman? Because when I when I was watching this play out earlier in the week, one of the things that <clears throat> popped into my head was from the movie Wall Street. Uh, one of Gordon Gecko's, uh, you know, maxims when it comes to investing is don't get emotional about stock, and this appears to be, and and I'm not saying Bill Ackman's being emotional here, but this seems to be incredibly personal for him. It has gotten there, I believe. Which, yes. which, you know, there, does that ever work out no, well? I, 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 you know, he claims to have extremely high conviction on this idea. They've done a lot. They've clearly done a lot of work. I mean, I I, I flipped through the 235 slide deck. By the way, probably want to edit that down in the future. <laughs> Length and depth are not the same thing, and and they have done a lot of work. I mean, they they on. I mean, much like you know, the FBI in the past would have gone through identifying every member of a mafia family and like pointing out the connections between them and who reports to who and so on and so forth. They've basically done that work and identified every member of the Herbalife inner circle or chairman circle and who they are, how they got there, how much money they made. So they've done a lot of work. It's not clear to me that in doing all that work, they've really, they've, they've furthered their case. There, I mean, there's a lengthy part of the slide deck that talks about how in calling it like Herbalife University or whatever they call it, they're illegally using the word university in violation of federal education law. What? Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, by letter of the law, that's probably true. It's not a real university. You don't get a real diploma. Right. But, and they, like, they point out that there are thousands of people on LinkedIn who say they have graduated from Herbalife University. So Herbalife is deceiving them into thinking they've gone to a school. I don't think that's, I don't think that's true. I, you know, I think we used to have like fool you on our website, right? Yeah, yeah. Probably illegal vis-a-vis federal education law, but I think everybody got it that when you get through fool you, you're not, you don't have a degree. 
Does McDonald's have a university? Yeah, Hamburger University. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's going to short that next. I don't know. Um, and then there's a lot of, and then, you know, I think where this has gotten emotional as well is he, he talks about how Herbalife is preying on, on poor people who are opening these cafes and stuff to serve these shakes, but they're, they're not, you know, they're not making money on it. And so it's perpetuating poverty. And at the end of the day, that, that that's probably true. And I don't think Herbalife is a particularly admirable company in what they're doing for the world in terms of the price they charge for the product. But it's not obvious to me that it's highly illegal and that the, that the FTC is going to come in and shut them down. And obviously there's high-profile high voices on the other side. But, you know, it has become a very emotional, seemingly a very emotional issue for him. And, and emotion and investing don't really always go that well together. Because you end up, I mean, at this point, he may be falling victim to confirmation bias and only seeking out further evidence that supports what he already believes to be true. Well, and when, I mean, I don't want to paint all conviction and all personal involvement as bad. We certainly see that work out well on the other side. I mean, just to go back to a company that we were discussing earlier, Under Armour and Kevin Plank, a very invested founder CEO. So we've seen that work out well for founder CEOs, but it just seems like. When things get really personal on the negative side, when it's mm-hmm. the I'm, uh, let me tell you once again why I'm shorting this stock, and it really, uh, I mean, I don't know Bill Ackman at all, but I'm starting to get just a tiny bit worried about him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, his case is not without without merits. Uh, I thought there was a convincing part of the presentation where they made the case that due to the re- the requirements of going through Herbalife University, you you have to go and frequent all these different cafes, so they're inflating their own. Sales figures that way, and and you know, like I said, I, I don't think Herbalife is a particularly admirable business. I think it's probably true that it, you know, it, it's probably not sustainable in the sense that I, I don't think it's it's adding much. I don't think it's, I don't think it's building anything really awesome for the world. John Hempton, another hedge fund manager, has gone and said that you know. For all their overpricing and whatnot, they are helping people lose weight and people need clubs and support groups. Maybe they are. You know, I I have no position in Herbalife either way. It's kind of a, become a sideshow. I try to steer clear of side, <laughs> sideshows. But yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I just don't. It was like a three hour, 235 deck presentation. And I believe I, I read this online, so maybe not true. But I believe the QA included a question from his own dad. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like a softball question? Uh, yeah, or I think a, so. Or, and then, and then, or a son, do you need a hug? Uh, you question. know, I, uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was the former, but maybe should have been the latter. But again, I can't verify that. That was something I read online, so who knows if that's actually true? Um, yeah, yeah, interesting. Who gets up and gives a three and a half hour presentation? Well, this, you know, I said earlier in the week that I think that the the. Comcast Time Warner merger. I think that's one of the most interesting business stories of the second half of 2014, uh-huh. with obviously huge interests on either side, uh, with potentially very large ripple effects, business ripple mm-hmm. effects, and therefore investor uh, ripple effects for investors. I look at this as almost as interesting to watch, but far less relevant. Yeah, to, no, to and, and, it's, and it's losing it, relevance to people. I think it's it's more like uh, the slow down to see the accident at the side of the road, kind of like, ooh, gosh, look at that thing over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this is another another note for the kids. If you've got a great <laughs> idea, lead with it. Slide one should be your, you know, nail in the coffin slide, so yes. to speak. I, 
I mean, it might have been the most incredible job of burying the lead, but I, didn't, I don't even know what the lead was. I don't, I don't know. Good advice for the kids today. Hey. You've got to add value somehow. Lead with your best point. Yeah. Go to foolfunds.com. Sign up for Declaration's free monthly newsletter for insights like that and more. Thanks for being here, man. Hey, man, thank you. Have a great trip. Thanks, and boss. We'll see you when you get back. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Carl Simon. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.